I've waxed poetic about it. I've waxed not so poetic about it. <laughs> Oftentimes I stay out of the mix. I know it's an old, tired argument on the OPP. The company has stayed relatively silent about it. It is what it is. I don't need it. I'm not looking to pause. I don't even ride with the leaderboard. I don't ride with the clock. I don't ride with the metrics. It ain't for me. I just think it's the right thing to do for all those other people who would benefit from it, who are paying the same amount of money as the guy or gal who's adamantly opposed to it. It's more than just your output, more than a bike. When you hear your shout out, you know it's all right. Put on your magic pants and let's go. We're cruising into the power zone. Clip in, set yourself free. Come on and take a ride with me. You know what you need to know and what's it all about. Everything you need, it's on the clip out. Welcome to the Clip Out Podcast, episode 236. This is Crystal O'Keefe. And this is Tom O'Keefe. I guess we should start by saying uh, thank you to everyone who uh, came out and joined us in Boston last week. Boy, did we have a great time. Oh, that was a blast. And thanks to uh, Kelly for suggesting Fogo de Chao. Uh, yeah, that was the perfect place. I mean, I think it just worked out great. It was, it was, they were so accommodating to everything that we needed. They were, and the food was great. It They're was They're not great. paying for this, but, uh, <laughs> but it was, it was a good time and good food. And also, uh, we should say hi to Andy, who... Oh, when we when we met him at yeah. uh, where were we the Plymouth we were, Plymouth thing? We Plymouth. were at the Plymouth Plantation having our our Thanksgiving dinner, yeah. and lo and behold, someone spotted you in the crowd, <laughs> <laughs> and Andy came over and said hello. So that was a pleasant surprise as well. Yeah, it was. It was really nice, and I I love meeting people from the community. And uh, so what a what a surprise to have somebody come up out of the blue and say hey. I'm a Peloton person yeah. too. <laughs> and then the other people at our table was funny. They were like, who are you? Like, what is, and then they were like, what's Peloton? So then we had to yeah. explain that. We were like, we have a podcast. And I was like, I'm Joe Rogan. <laughs> and then they made me pay for their dinner. Yeah. Because they figured I was rich. Right. So. None, back, of, none of that happened. That backfired. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I guess, uh, what pray tell do you have in store for people this week? <sighs> well, honestly, it's been a really, really sad week. Um, I don't I don't know. Maybe there's people that that don't know, but I can't imagine you have not heard if you're out there that uh, Howie Godnick passed away this week. We were um, sitting in the airport getting ready to get on the plane when we found out. Um, so we're going to we're going to dedicate this episode to Howie. Um, so later on, you're going to hear a re-airing of episode 20. Uh, and I was listening to it. Wow. Things have changed yeah. uh, since episode 20. So we're going to do that. And we're going to talk about Howie a little bit. Uh, we're also going to have John Mills join us. John yes. Mills is going to chat with us about what is going on with these Peloton lawsuits. We have a visit from Dr. Jen. She talks about how to find the right intensity balance, you know, so you don't go too low, you don't go too high. And then we also have a visit uh, from MetPro. And they are here talking about whether Crystal Light and other similar substances do more harm than good. Right. Plus, we have just a ton of Peloton news. There's just all kinds of things going on. Awesome. Well, before we get to all that, shameless plugs. Don't forget we're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find a podcast, you can find us while you're there. Be sure and follow us or never miss an episode. You could also leave us a review. That's always super helpful. We have a new review. 
This is from Hound Mother. Hound Mother. Ooh. Yes. That sounds it, tough. It does. It says entertaining and informative. I I look forward to every new episode. This week's had me laughing <laughs> while learning about the latest and greatest in the Peloton world and beyond. Thanks, Tom and Crystal. So thank you very much for that uh, kind review. That was really nice. Thank we you so much. Greatly appreciate that. You can also find us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash the clip out. <laughs> Uh, while you're there, like the page, join the group, and you can sign up for our newsletter at theclipout.com, where you'll have all the uh, links and things sent directly to your inbox, nice and easy to find. And finally, don't forget our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash theclipout. And if you're watching us on YouTube and we look different, it's because we got new cameras. So we're <laughs> trying to figure those out. Yeah. So, so if you see us messing with things, that's why. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's all that. Let's uh, let's dig in, shall we? We shall. Run, lift, and live with John Mills. So joining us today via the magic of ZoomTube, it's John Mills. Hey, John, how's it going? Hey, John, how's it going? What is happening? Man, I love that you on? bring that energy yeah. week after week. Somebody Thank needs you. To, I know. I sure as hell. I don't know why. No. I just got off the phone with a lawyer. Oh, oh no! To talk about Peloton. What? And I was kind of tired of being on the phone, and he was getting a Peloton delivered at that moment. <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, what do you know about Pelotons?" And I was like, "Nothing. Every, I don't know nothing. I don't know never nothing. heard of it. Pella what? Yeah, Pella what? <laughs> I just didn't feel like being on the phone. You're like, <laughs> I have an echelon. That's <laughs> that's how much you don't like lawyers when you'll you don't even want to talk about Peloton with them. Yeah, I that's mean. Right. That's, that's how bad that's, it was. That's bad. That does say a lot because yeah. you love Peloton. <laughs> exactly. You're like, it was a Zoom call. We could have like checked out the Peloton. That's how bad it was. Yeah. You could have no, helped him set it up. You could have helped him. Right. You You're were like, like no. I'm a big fan of Echelon. <laughs> Got to go. <laughs> now, with your luck, he'd I'm buy one. And then, fit guy. He'd buy one and then sue you. <laughs> Why'd you talk me into buying this awful bike? <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks for coming out to our meetup in Boston. That was a pleasant that was surprise. So nice yeah. to see you. Aww, Thank you. Great. Everyone was very was excited awesome. to see you. Yeah, everybody was. I was just excited to see you guys and everybody that was there. I just uh, uh, thankful and blessed you guys, you know, told me about it. Let me join in and the festivities. It was uh, exciting for me. So. We're, so we're from the Midwest. So we're so bad with geography. We didn't realize that where you lived was close enough to Boston to be where well, in our head. It see, was I like, had it backwards. Yeah. I, I called Gina and I was like, Gina, we're going to be we're going to be in Boston. She's like, Crystal. It's like seven hours. <laughs> like, oh. So I just assumed because I didn't look yeah. at the uh, little map. You know, I just assumed yeah. you also were seven hours away because you and Gina no, in my I'm head like, live next to each other. In the middle of like <laughs> New York and Boston. I'm like, it's the same distance either way. Gotcha. You're, so, you're lucky. All those colonies look so crunched together. They do. So. Right? Yeah. They do. Yeah. Especially yeah, from close. here. Yeah. When we look up there. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I actually head to that mall often. Do you? Like I visit the 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 showroom there often. Yeah, they knew you when we went to the showroom. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Archer, Stephen Archer is his his real name. He was like, so uh, you're familiar with John Mills, then? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, He's I know awesome. you. You guys are on John Mills podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
super nice guy. Super nice guy. I had to buy. He does like stuff. an improv thing in Boston. That I, I, I saw that. I'm gonna go to. I followed him there. on Instagram, and if anybody wants yeah. to follow him, Tay Archer on Instagram, and you can find out all the like where he performs and see his videos on YouTube. Like he's got oh, a yeah. whole thing going. Interesting oh, guy. Awesome. Fascinating. Oh yeah, he's awesome. He's a great guy. Yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah. So I guess we should move on to the topic. So we should play one of our fancy sweepers. <laughs> we should. Peloton in court. Who's suing Peloton now? <laughs> so Peloton and Lulu Lemon, just in time uh, for the release of West Side Story, are, <laughs> are going all sharks and jets on each other. I mean, really? There are a lot of people that are like, who do I even root for? Yeah. I don't even know what to do. I love Lulu. I love Peloton. What's going to happen? So they are in a legal battle over who gets to wear clothes while they work out. No, I guess. Is no, that what it comes down to? no, no. It's what the clothes look like. So so basically, you know, Peloton and Lulu, they've had what? All these these different collaborations for years now. And um, then Peloton in September said, hey, we're going to go do our own line. Peloton and Lululemon, they ended the partnership they had. Supposedly, they ended it on a good note. And then uh, (laughs) I guess they saw Peloton's line and they were like, wait, 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 wait a second. (laughs) That looks just like our stuff. Hold on. And uh, then they filed a lawsuit. So then Peloton turned around and they followed a lawsuit saying, hey, could you guys tell Lululemon that that they can't own the patents on these that like everybody does these. So like stop it. And then Lululemon said, no, we're going to sue you. We're going to countersue your countersuit. And um, now it's another patent law. I don't even understand this last one. Like I don't. John, do you have any? (laughs) Well, the the interesting Part of, but it it is very fascinating. <laughs> the interesting part about it to me was that it seemed like a, an amicable split sometime earlier this year. But Peloton said in that split that the collaboration was burdensome, yes, and time intensive. Yes, yes, they did. So even though it sounds amicable, that that don't that sounds almost like fighting words a little bit, <laughs> a little bit, so, a little bit, <laughs> a little bit. Like y'all are too needy. Oh, you guys y'all are, are slow divas. Y'all are slow. And so, but, and then they, they come out with the line Peloton in September in October, this article suggests that John Foley announces that they sold 600,000 items of clothing in that quarter. Right. And so the lawsuit, so immediately after that, the, the very next month, that's when Lululemon sends the letter the peloton saying cease and desist because we're going to sue you if you don't so do you think that that i mean the way that you put that kind of so- sounds like you think that this has to do with how much money that they were making not what they i were don't making. know but it's i it's i mean it sounds like you i don't know i hear some i hear some backsliding so, <laughs> as a as a boy do as they as do they do they look that similar? I'm like, uh, leggings so, are leggings, right? Like, I mean, there's some things here. And John, feel free to correct me. You know, I'm sure you have your own thoughts about this. The leggings aren't the only issue, first of all. It's leggings. There's a pair of leggings, the Align leggings. And then there is also the bra, which right. has the strappy, right. the strappy bra. Now, okay. right. 
Yes, there are a lot of makers that make the strappy bra, but Lululemon has a very specific fabric on their line tight and it has pockets. Um, And so one could say that the tights that Peloton is making are like made in a replica of them. But there's lots of other other people do, too. And that's where I get confused because like you go on any kind of website, like if you go to Amazon and look up lululemon knockoffs there's like a billion right (laughs) so i don't understand it's this is where it gets confusing to me because i would think if the issue is like oh our leggings have pockets and your leggings have pockets then they they need to be suing every legging that has pockets right they got a mad dog so i think that's why (laughs) peloton countersued was that thought process right there like there's a lot of companies that look similar to this you can't just pick on us that was my interpretation of the countersuit this third counter countersuit from lululemon to peloton that's where i i lose the thread i I, it's like inception it's a lawsuit inside of a lawsuit it is wrapped in a riddle (laughs) stuffed in an enigma inside of a it's like a turducken of lawsuits (laughs) a turducken of lawsuits i mean we did just have thanksgiving yes it fits it fits it fits well i mean it is kind of confusing to me too which i think it may have been confusing to Peloton as well because I mean Lululemon initially initiated this by sending the letter to say stop. Right. And then Peloton was like, well, okay, hold on, give us a second. And in the meantime, they went to the, you know, they went to the courts to go hold up. Well that, you- okay, so that's another piece of this, right? Because it doesn't look good. It's not a good look. Now <laughs> if, if Lulu is telling the truth, they say they yeah. sent a letter to Peloton Right. To, to get more information. And then Peloton said, hold on, give us some extra time to respond to this. And then their response was to file a lawsuit. <laughs> and they were like, what the, you know, like Lulu was like, what? You know, that that was that right, was right, right. how I took Lulu's position. <laughs> right, right. And that's how I took it as well. But it also <laughs> takes me back to the statement you made. It's like it's it sounds like Peloton may have been thinking the same as us. Like, wait a minute. There are a million people that make stuff like this. So why? Let's why? go to the courts and see if they agree with that position. But but why didn't they right. just reach out to Lulu and say that and try to solve this with a phone call? Is it? Well, I mean, if you I, get a C and D, they're not really looking to have a conversation, right? They're saying like, cut it out. Yeah. Right. Or we're going to sue. Right. Well, I guess right. their response was the lawsuit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then they went, okay, you're going to ask the courts. Okay, now we're going to sue. Um, I guess. But, in yeah, that- I agree with you. I go. I take this back to Peloton sold six hundred thousand articles in that quarter. So, so again, I, I say, are you saying this? I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. You know, it's it's interesting that they're choosing to target Peloton. I feel like Peloton's fabric is different enough that I yeah. I don't think that that well this even is then gonna... can you trademark fabric? I mean, all jeans are made out of denim. Well, okay, yeah, but I I mean, I don't know. I I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, But I I do know that, like, for example, Beyond Yoga, they have a very, like, their space tie, their space tie is, like, my favorite leggings of all time. I love to live in them. And and nobody else has them. 
And and they say right. our exclusive space dye leggings. So I don't know. Can somebody else technically make them? Probably. I mean, I guess unless you're inventing your own material, I, I, I would think everybody's kind of working with similar stuff. I mean, maybe they did, though, is what I'm saying. Like, I, I truly don't then know. Where do they get the material from? They can't just go to Lululemon's and like steal it off the dock. Right. <laughs> I don't I don't think that they did. <laughs> John's this, like, I'm just watching now. I have this picture of, <laughs> of John Foley in all black. He's got with, like, a, a little... black beanie cap. On and he's got like ding, a uh-huh. he's, he's got ding, like one ding, of those <laughs> canvas knapsacks all full of Lululemon material. He's dropping from the ceiling. Yeah, <laughs> he's got <laughs> material. He's got black makeup over his eyes. No, I don't. I don't think what? that Peloton did that. No, I um. <laughs> Somebody is going to me too. I know somebody's going to write a letter. That's that's <laughs> we're getting an email about that. <laughs> you know what? What's hilarious to me also is in uh, Lulu's suit, they say something to the effect of, you know, they're so similar and they don't want, you know, Peloton to demean, you know, or bring down their brand. Like, Something but then why to that are you effect. collaborating like someone with would them? make a mistake and think that's Lulu and it'll hurt them. Right. So that's kind of talking trash. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, lawsuits are for it is. It, it always cracks me up whenever I see I love that this in, stuff. in legal hilarious. documents. It's like it's like legalese bitch slap. Like, right. it's amazing. <laughs> you know, like it's stuff you want to say to people in real life, but you get to say it in a legal document. And now it's forever right. in the court record. But anyway, you're an attorney somewhere being like, how do you say poopy face in Latin? <laughs> I picture them like all around the table and they're like, no, that's not a good one. You should say it like this. <laughs> Got him. And then everybody's Got like, em. yeah. Yes. Yes. You know. Mic drop. A lot of people don't know this, but Oliver Wendell Holmes invented the Z-snap. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, this one, this one baffles me a little bit. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I don't, I don't. I think that they'll end up settling. I think that's where they're yeah. gonna end up. Uh, because, because John, if you're right, and the, well, I'm sorry <laughs> if I'm reading your interpretation correct. Six hundred thousand. <laughs> I, I'm just saying. So really, know. that just means they want a piece of it. I mean, really, this is no different from the music thing. Then it's like, OK, but well, they partnered with lots of different product lines. So why why doesn't Adidas want a piece of it? Why doesn't Miami Fitwear want a piece of it? Silence. <laughs> we shrugged. <laughs> we I, I, well, maybe Lulu's just a little greedier. I don't know. Maybe they just got jelly. They were like, oh, Peloton sold a whole bunch of stuff that looked just like ours and they made more money than we did. Damn. I don't that's where I don't know. I don't know what's a lot, what's a little. Right? I don't know you how this space Lulu would works make, and moves. I agree. Like, you would you would think would, there'd be so much more. So much more. Yeah. Yeah, and it's so complicated this, 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 with this. the mirror anyway, like because they threw the mirror into the middle of all of this when they bought it. And yeah. so right. you know. I don't know. Their relationship it, has become complicated. Oh, yeah. It, <laughs> I feel like on Facebook, they yes. changed their status. It's they were they, they were status. in a relationship. Now it's it's complicated. <laughs> right. Like, I don't know if 600,000 articles of clothing in a quarter is a lot. Is that a lot? I don't know. 600,000. <laughs> 
I think when it's not your core business. Right. That's it's interesting because what was it three quarters ago they rolled all of their apparel into into their normal sales. They used to break apparel out and now they don't. Right. Because they don't want Lululemon to see. I mean, you can't help but wonder. (laughs) Not necessarily Lulu, but just in general. Right. That like what's going to happen here. Right. Uh, I will. It'll be interesting to watch. So I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Absolutely. Well, you know, you know, we are. <laughs> I'm here for the court documents and the zingers. And the yeah. court That's all I'm here for. That's it. Little fire emojis. <laughs> Peloton's, I'm waiting for the comeback. You know? Peloton's hiring We're Jeff. We're motion. Why? We just want to talk this trash. Yeah. You know? They're hiring Jeff Ross to help them write their legal documents. So. <laughs> well, thank you very much for joining us, John. Uh, until next week, where can people find you? They can find me on Facebook in my group or page, Run, Lift, and Live. They can find me on Instagram, Run, Lift, and Live. They can find me on the tickety top yes. Run, Lift, and Live. <laughs> or they can find me at runliftandlive.com. Awesome. Thank cool. you. Man, there is nothing worse than when you buy a pair of sunglasses and then you lose or break them. I would agree. So what do we do about that? Well, that's where Gooder comes in. Their sunglasses are $25 each. So nobody likes to throw away $25, but it's a lot better than throwing away a hundred or more dollars on a pair of broken sunglasses, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I have to say that's not my favorite part about Gooder. My favorite part about Gooder is that when I run, they don't slip, they don't bounce, and they're 100% polarized. Um, And they also come in like a million different colors and styles. For your $25, you're not sacrificing comfort, safety, or style. If you want to support the show and pick up a pair, Gooder is giving the Clip Out listeners free shipping on their first order. Just go to gooder.com slash TCO. That's G-O-O-D-R.com and use code TCO to get free shipping. Gooder offers a 30-day money-back guarantee and 100% satisfaction. Find your pair at gooder.com slash TCO and use code TCO to get free shipping. If you're looking to avoid carbs, it's always a challenge trying to find bread that fits in with your keto lifestyle. Right, because you want to make sure that it tastes good and you want to make sure it has good ingredients. So I think Hero Bread does both. Especially when you're in the store, you are overwhelmed with bread choices. Yes. And I've had other breads before that claim to have low net carbs and you are certainly sacrificing taste texture size yes none of that with hero bread no because sometimes on the ones that have the low net carbs they have like no substance to it (laughs) it's like eating air it is and hero bread actually really tasted good and it felt like a solid piece of bread like i did not feel like i was giving up something i was surprised at how big each slice of bread was here's the real test of a piece of bread (laughs) i didn't make a sandwich with these i just had toast which you love because you have toast almost every day i do it was the (laughs) best textured bread of this sort that i've ever had and if you're doing the math it's zero to one grams of net carbs zero gram sugar and high in fiber So don't give up being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use code TCO at checkout. That's TCO at H-E-R-O dot C-O. Getting the psychological edge with Dr. Jen. 
Joining us once again is Dr. Jen Mann, licensed marriage, family, and child therapist and sports psychology consultant. She was also a five-year national team member in rhythmic gymnastics and sports psychology for USA Gymnastics. It's Dr. Jen. Hello. Hi. Hey. There I am on my Peloton bike. <laughs> well, and, Peloton and all things psychological. And we appreciate that because that's really the only reason you're here. Because <laughs> we share an obsession. Yes. <laughs> well, speaking of obsession, we have a person who is looking for your help to find a balance. It's from Jean Brillman. She says, how can I find a balance? She goes too light and struggles to push herself or she goes way too hard in an unhealthy way. She struggles to find that balance with working out and eating right. That's powerful. And that hits on a a lot of different levels. And the first question that comes to my mind is what is she using in order to figure out how hard or light to go? And what I suspect the answer might be is external things like the numbers on the cadence, the numbers on the speed, the mileage, the leaderboard, things like that. And when I hear someone like this, first of all, the other thing that jumps out at me is that this is someone who doesn't know her body well. And this is someone who's not respecting her body on a a lot of levels. And that it's really important that we tune into our bodies and that we really listen to what our bodies want, what they're capable of, what level they're at, even if it's not the level we want them to be at, and what classes are appropriate for us for our level, and within those classes, how hard we should be pushing ourselves. The other part about the food also sounds very similar. You know, I'm a big fan, as you guys know, of what's called intuitive eating, which is where you listen to your body, where you allow your body to guide you instead of a diet plan or points or backgrounds or calories or anything like that. And that when you truly listen to your body, and a lot of the time when you haven't listened to your body for a long time, it's very scary and it seems overwhelming and impossible to do. But tuning in, I use, I'm a big fan of what's called the hunger scale, which is a scale from zero to 10. 10 being the fullest you've ever been. It is Thanksgiving full. You're going to explode. Zero being you have now fainted. You're so hungry. You're on the floor and five is neutral. And I really like for people to eat when they are a three, which is solidly hungry. If you're a four, you're like, I think I'm hungry, but I'm not sure. You're not there yet. If you're a two, you're probably starting to be dizzy. Your stomach is grumbling. You're a one, you're cranky and you're lightheaded at that point. On the flip side, You want to stop when you are a five, which is neutral, or a six, which is, yeah, I can tell that I've eaten, but I don't feel stuffed. A seven is stuffed. An eight is super full. It's uncomfortable. A nine is you're in pain. You're filled with regret. And really learning to tune into your body. And this, for a lot of people, it takes years. I know for me it did, and I've talked with you guys that for 10 years, I had an eating disorder where I was doing all kinds of crazy things. And in order for me to recover, I had to really tune into my body and I had to become a pro at intuitive eating, which took a lot of hit and miss over the course of a couple of years until I was able to have a wonderful, healthy, peaceful relationship with food. So to me, this is someone who really the bigger issue is learning to make peace with your body, learning to honor your body, learning to give your body what it wants and finding that gentle kind of difference between 
pushing your body and really listening to your body in a way that pushes it in a positive way. And the difference to me a lot of the time is, and, and I think a lot of women in particular will identify with this, probably quite a few men as well, is that a lot of people take up exercise as a, I hate my body. I want to change my body. And that is not a healthy relationship with exercise or your body. And that is not going to last you for the long term. It's cruel. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't do that to a friend. You would be like, now you have to exercise because your body is so ugly and awful and terrible. Instead, what you want to do is come from a place of, I love my body and I want to give my body what it wants. And I want to live a long time. I want to have great endurance and I want to be strong. And I want to avoid osteoporosis by doing weight bearing exercise and all that kind of stuff. And when you're able to shift your thinking in that direction, your relationship with exercise changes. You know, a lot of the time the Peloton starts talking about what is your why? And sometimes I'll be on my bike and I'll be riding. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Right. Sometimes you mean right now. And, and I'll think to myself, I really want to live to see my daughters walk down the aisle. I want to live to see my grandchildren walk down the aisle, which like that's an ambitious kind of goal. And what is it going to take to do that? Well, I want to treat my body with respect and with kindness, pushing it beyond what it wants and hurting it and injuring it not going to do that, but loving it and giving myself the opportunity to have a really healthy, productive exercise plan and a healthy relationship with food. That's the way to go. Yeah, I do that. I'm like, I want to live long enough to see my enemies suffer. <laughs> and that- I want find that either myself. Yeah. yeah. So, and you don't even know my enemies. Well, how nice of you. Yeah, I was like, you're having me suffer in mine as well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but so far, so good. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for all of that. Until next time, where can people find you? Well, you find me on my bike. Yes, clearly. <laughs> or you can find me on social media at Dr. Jen Man, two ends on Jen, two ends on man, or my weekly column with InStyle Magazine called Hump Day with Dr. Jen that's all about sex and relationships. Wonderful. Thank you. Clip out. If you're ready to start fighting for your fitness goals, then you need to check out Fight Camp. It brings the best workout in the world into your home and it makes it fun. Since the holidays are right around the corner, that means so is the new year, and Fight Camp can help you make 2022 your best year yet. You can learn to box and kickbox from home with access to world-class programming, elite training, premium equipment, and smart technology that turns your workout into an interactive experience. And you know what? It also helps you with your brain fitness. Boxing requires focus. Precise combinations push you to think about every punch you throw. If you have enough room to do a push-up, you have enough room for Fight Camp. The full package fight camp comes with all the gear you need to start boxing from home, including a freestanding punching bag, boxing gloves, quick hand wraps and smart punch trackers. And it takes up less space than you think. Now is the best time to get your fight camp. Take advantage of their holiday deal going on now. If you purchase this December, you'll get an additional pair of gloves for free. Just go to joinfightcamp.com slash clip to get an additional pair of gloves for free during December. Go to joinfightcamp.com slash clip. That's joinfightcamp.com slash clip. Instructors in the news. 
Prevention.com has an article spotlighting Jess Sims, and she shares tips on how to work out with your dog. So now I didn't read this. Is this how to actually exercise with your dog or is it how to keep your dog off of you while you're <laughs> exercising? Because those are the tips we need. I, I think it's for um, like if you're running to exercise with your dog, you know, I don't I don't think it's specifically um, how to keep your dog from jumping on you. But you know what? That's its own workout right there to keep the dog off of you whenever you want to do downward it dogs. Is. Every time <laughs> we have to do something on the floor, the dog's like, oh, is it time to play? Yeah. So she suggests to take them outside, do things like go for a run, go for a hike. She also suggested bringing them into your weight bearing exercises. <laughs> Use them as weights. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> and then, of course downward dog yes. for the cool down our dog does not like to be picked up no. no although sometimes walking her i think can count as resistance training <laughs> pdx monthly i don't know what that is but it's out there something about portland something about something something portland yeah has a an article where they sat down with hannah corbin talking to her about how she became a peloton Star. Yeah, this is cool because uh, it talks about how she was born and raised in Oregon, that she had a dance career, and it gives a little bit of her background. So a lot of you probably already know that that Hannah was adopted, and she talks about being an adopted child, what that was like, and she also talks about growing up and, and having exercise be part of her life and, and what that has meant to her over the years. Also, she talks about the Pacific Northwest. So for those of you from that area, I I know that that's always nice to hear whenever you hear people like, oh, talk about where you're from. It, it's nice to hear somebody do that. And so it's cool to hear her perspective on the Pacific Northwest. As Absolutely. Well. I know how excited we get when uh, someone talks about St. Louis and it doesn't involve like that time I got murdered there. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And Emo's pizza. That's pretty much. Yeah. Emo's. Right. Exactly. So Selena is back on Sundays. She is. She is back to running. Uh, so starting December 2nd, she is back live on the tread. Uh, she has been very excited to get back. And um, you can join her uh, 1230 p.m. Eastern. It's a 30 minute rock run. So if you didn't get to take it live, because I realize this will take place, you'll hear this after it took place live. Right. Go and join it on demand because that's amazing. 30 minutes is awesome. And then she'll also be joining uh, on demand on the leaderboard for a 30 minute walk and run that took place on 3-4 at 1220 this Sunday and then jumping into the live strength at 1 p.m. It's an upper body class. So she's going to she's going to do both. That's going to be fun. Yahoo had a nice article about Robin Arzan talking about her being an ultra marathon runner and how she handled that in the face of being diagnosed with diabetes. Yeah, I'm not sure how much you know about having diabetes and how difficult it can be to exercise. Um, but it, it's actually quite a challenge because diabetes has all to do with your blood sugar, right? So right. if your blood sugar drops while you're running and that will happen because your body, the system, as it's working through the glycogen stores and that is using up the sugar in your body as okay. you're running or any kind of workout not just running and and so some go faster than others so you have this really long amount of work using up all the energy stores you've got to be really really on point with your nutrition and that's one of the reasons that she wears the monitor that she does because it's constantly monitoring her blood and then um i'm not sure how it 
ports the insulin when she needs it, but it keeps it keeps track of it. Okay. But my point to all of that being, it is not simple to do long bouts of exercise when you have type one diabetes. So it is a very big deal that she has become such an amazing athlete, and it just goes to show. You know, this is kind of Robin's thing. It's always like whatever you want to do, do it. Like, don't let anything hold you back. And this is she does do what she says to do. You know, she yeah, walks the walk. Absolutely. And I think that's really cool. And while we're talking about Robin, she has her three and 31 challenge. Yeah. Going and on. So this is really fun. Basically, you can do three miles any way you want. You can walk it, jog it or run it. But you got to drive it. No. Oh, but you have to do it on foot. It literally says on foot. Oh, so and she's he, one step ahead of me. <laughs> that Robin is wily. And you do that every day, the month of December. Now, if for some reason you can't walk, jog or run, you can also do 30 minutes of movement on the bike, yoga, strength, any kind of movement counts. So anything works. Don't let that, you know, stop you. The point is to get 30 minutes of work in every single day. And she talks about how rest days are important. So you should be varying the intensity. Some days you should walk just to give your nervous system and muscles a rest. It should not be go all out a full run every day for the month of December. Okay. So if I'm driving it, can I do, what if I did six? So I'm twice as much. But it's, it's not on foot, so it doesn't matter. It's like three times zero is still zero. Okay, what if I did nine? It's still zero. Oh. Yeah. What if I was fidgety while I drove? It's still zero. Oh. Good try, though. Also, she's got a cool accountability tracker out there on Instagram. All you got to do is screenshot it. Then you can check your own boxes off each day of the month. And she wants you to tag her. For the record, I'm doing it. We'll see how far I get. <laughs> Christmas Day might be a challenge. I see that. Then there's also a meditation challenge for people. Yeah, this one is from Kira Michelle, and uh, she has 21 days of meditation. So every day for starting December 1st through December 21st, um, there are several people that are going to be participating in the 21-day meditation challenge. Apparently, her tribe is called the Kira's Koalas. So that's pretty cute. I love that. Koalas. Um, But anyway, it's all about creating a habit and getting that consistency. So whether it's five minutes or 45 minutes, count yourself in. Okay. So driving. This one. Here's what I'm thinking. You know how sometimes when you're you're driving someplace Mm -hmm. and then like you just kind of zone out and you're just like, oh, I'm home already. Yeah. Does that, can I count that as meditation? No. Well, I mean, like I let my mind go free. Right. That should count as, as a meditation. Yeah, no, I think you actually need to take a meditation class to understand what meditation is before you start trying to do it in the car. And also, I wouldn't do it in the car. (laughs) (laughs) Just trying to find a way to make it work. You don't want me to be a part of it. Okay. You heard her, everybody. I'm looking for solutions. She shits all over. I said not in the car. There we go. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. All the time, you guys. All the time. The Alvin... Ailey American Dance Theater is having a benefit gala. They are. And the only reason that we're mentioning this is yes. because Allie Love will be in attendance. Yeah. So I believe it takes place tonight. Didn't it say if you scroll down? Yes. yes. December 1st at 7 p.m. Presumably Eastern since it's on the East Coast. That would make sense since it's <laughs> in Harlem. That's what the time would be That's in Harlem. Fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. And uh, finally for the this segment anyway uh susie chan was on the run pod 
podcast, which feels redundant now that I say it out loud. It, it does. But yeah. I, I, I understand why you did that. I would have done the same thing. So, you know, let me remind everyone, Susie Chan is one of the newest tread instructors and she is on the London team. I absolutely love running with Susie. So make sure that you don't sleep on that. Also, she's fascinating and fun to get to know. So this podcast is a great way to get to know her. Again, that's RunPod. Oops, I was wrong. Uh, that wasn't the final one. There's one more we're sneaking in. And the instructors, or some of them, uh, went on a field trip of sorts and saw Jagged Little Pill on Broadway together. Yeah, there was Just King, Christine, DJ John Michael. I mean, I know he's not an instructor, but in my mind, Close enough. Tia, Mer- so Mariana, Tunde, uh, Jess Sims, Emma Lovewell, Selena, uh, Rebecca Kennedy, Robin, and Aditi. They all got to go. How cool is that? Yeah, that's really cool. They must have had like a group rate or something. Mm-hmm. I kind of think that maybe that was leftover perks from that time that they had that collaboration that never happened. Oh, that could very well be. Yeah. <laughs> it just feels like that might be. New instructors. We have three new German instructors. Isn't that great? Three. Okay, so they're all on the bike and they all started this week and they've been doing their premiere rides each day. So we have Myla Lazar, Benny Adami, and Charlotte. It's actually Unt Charlotte. Ah. That's because I, I that's how you say and in German. Okay. I'm basically fluent. Sure. <laughs> well then say uh say Charlotte's last name for me. I hate to show off. Okay. Well yeah. I think it's pronounced Weidenbach. Okay. Uh, so we have, again, Myla Lazar, Benny Adami, and Charlotte Weidenbach. So all brand new instructors for the German team. Very cool. Welcome to the family, guys. Welcoming. I don't think that's how you say that. Oh, no. sorry. Volkswagen. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's not it no. either. <laughs> Clip out. Joining us once again via the magic of ZoomTube is Angelo from MetPro here to answer all of your nutrition questions. Hey. Hi. Hey, guys. Okay, so I think that this one might be an easy one for you. This is from our listener, Naomi. Naomi, she would like to know, is adding things like Crystal Light and other water flavorings detrimental? Sometimes I just need to add a little something to my water and cucumbers and lime juice just don't cut it for me. <laughs> Ew. I don't, I, like I, yeah, they don't cut it for me either. Yuck. <laughs> okay. That's a very practical question, Naomi. That is okay. Now, here's the caveat. Not all flavoring agents are created equal. So now, speaking of equal, we have to have the artificial sweetener conversation. They're good players and less good players. And so without getting into the politics of artificial sweeteners, you're not going to pack on 75 pounds because you added some crystal light to your water. But any moves you can make towards natural and clean are good moves. I try to meet people where they're at. So if somebody's eating a very, very clean diet, let's keep you kind of on that. No need to veer. Let's go with something that's very, very clean and natural. If somebody, their idea of a balanced breakfast is eating the fries with the hamburger and shake, then I'm going to say, hey, if it'll get you drinking enough water, I'm good with the crystal light. So it's balance, you know, balance. But what I would encourage you to do, Naomi, is look for some options that don't have the more known bad guys when it comes to artificial sweeteners. I'm not as big a fan of aspartame. 
there are other options that some people say are, are not good as well, but at least maybe we go with the lesser of the evils. Now, with that, there are a lot of options that are now sweetened with stevia. That's a great option. You're going to be able to find. So a brand that I use is called True Lemon. And it does use a gram or two of sugar, but it's mostly going to be uh, stevia. Now, it is cut with a little bit of sugar alcohol, or at least it was in the formulation that I looked at a while back. But you're minimizing the amount that you're getting. And to me, it's very flavorful. I put it in my water almost daily because it helps me drink more water. The other thing you can do is experiment with teas. And if you like sweet teas, again, you can go back to the Truvia or Stevia and experiment with those sweeteners in the, maybe not cucumber, but the lemon, because you can make your own lemonade. But the answer is yes. I want you drinking water. I want you hydrating well. Try to minimize to the degree that you can the frequency of artificial sweeteners, but adding some flavoring that's not carrying a large calorie load is not going to be the deal breaker if you're trying to lose weight. And tell us the name of that again that you use. So I use uh, Stevia, Truvia, and the lemonade packets that I like are called True Lemon. True Lemon. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, I know I drive you crazy because I'm like, no, I'm drinking my diet soda. Always. <laughs> Always. We're coming for that next, Tom. I don't know, man. Now we got the weight off. Now Ooh. we got you in rock and shape. We're coming for, but we'll, we'll, we'll I always, I, my analogy is always like with somebody like me, it's like, let me have my diet soda. It's like <laughs> you go into an AA meeting and you don't start yelling at them about smoking, right? Like you're just like, Fair choose enough. your battles. <laughs> That's it. That's it. But well, you know what most people find, and I'm on lockstep with you on that, Tom. Pick your battles, win the important ones. What most people find is as you get into a healthy routine, be it with the exercise, with clean eating, with any of the habits that we're working on, your body starts to naturally crave less of the addictive agents, such as the caffeine and things like that. You may still need some, but not as much. You may still want this, but not every day. And so what happens is there's kind of this natural organic drop-off point where you end up having a little bit less and it just is tiptoeing in the right direction as it's replaced with more and more good stuff. Now, well, if only I could see. get Tom eating broccoli, no. then, <laughs> I could, then I could die happy. But, no. you know, I... <laughs> Hard pass. Hard pass. Yeah. You have a better chance on that soda than you do broccoli, yeah. I assure you. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> well, thank you so much. If people want a MetPro type information to help them on their fitness journeys, where can they find you? They can come see us at metpro.co slash TCO. Wonderful. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Peloton in the news. The Consumer Electronics Show. Is that what CES stands for? It is. Oh, I got one right. Very so nice. uh, I'm more familiar with the German version. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> It was announced that uh, John Foley will be there this year. He's going to be a keynote speaker. A I keynote speaker to announce the rower. I find this fascinating. He's not announcing the rower because that's <laughs> happening at homecoming. Because that happened at CES 2021 <laughs> and 2020 and 2019. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there's lots of people that wish it did. But I am, I am fascinated by this because they have not been back to CES as a like presenter, right? Since the tread announcement back in 2018. So will will there also be Peloton presence as as a booth? I don't think so because I think I would have heard that by now. I think they already have 
people listed. You know, I mean, it's possible they could add, but right, right now I, I don't think they're listed. So I find that fascinating. It'll be interesting to see exactly what that means. It will. I wish we could go to that just because the Consumer Electronics Show is fascinating. Peloton Artist Collaboration. There's yet another new artist series, and man, they've really been crushing the classic rock lately. Foo Fighters, which is borderline classic rock, and then the Beatles, and now ACDC. Yeah, and uh, I included this video just because I love how Sam likes to show kind of the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. And uh, so for those of you not watching, he's showing how he's getting ready. Like he's got his little outfit he's all going. His uh, schoolboy outfit like Angus Young wears. Yes, exactly. Uh, so it's it's a pretty fun video. And uh, the actual live class with Sam took place today at 1230 our time. So I think it was 130 Eastern. So if you haven't got a chance to take it, make sure you go do that because he's Sam had a lot of fun with us. And for those about to pedal, <laughs> we salute you. In case you missed it. Peloton Apparel has announced seven days of surprises. They sure have. So every day starting December 1st through the 7th, there will be surprises. Did you get my other image that I shared, Tom? I did. It's right here. So uh, this was the first surprise listed today, 60% off. Holy smokes. Select performance Well, prints. sure. It's always yeah. select. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a good deal. I mean, you could get an outfit for like $60 today. You could get a bra and leggings for, for less than $60. That's, that's a great Peloton deal. That is indeed a surprise. Peloton. Yes, that's a good one. Peloton birthdays. Coming up on December 5th, it will be Toon Day's birthday. It sure will. Happy birthday to Toon Day. Love her. We just watched that King Richard movie. Yeah, And yeah. it was confusing because we had the subtitles on. And yeah. so, because uh, we're old. Yeah. And one of the Williams sisters is named, they. It, it, the name is spelt the same as Toon Day, but they pronounced it Tunday. Tunday. Tundee. Yeah. Yes. That's and so right. we kept like seeing, hearing the name, but seeing in the subtitles, and we're like, they're saying it wrong. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was like that. <laughs> past guest update. So this is a sad past guest update, but we will try not to make it too sad because I don't think Howie would want it to be he sad. He wouldn't. And uh, so Howie Godnick passed away uh, this week. And I know many, many people know who Howie Godnick is, but there are the Peloton community has grown so much. I'm sure there are a lot of people that maybe aren't aware of him or they they're seeing the name all of a sudden everywhere. And they're just like, who is this and why is he such a big deal? So um, we thought we we would take some time out to explain who Howie Godnick is and why he matters. Yeah. So the I feel like. What you need to know about Howie Godnick is best told in stories. I was given permission to share a few stories this week, so um, so I will. Uh, one comes from the JSS tribe uh, admin, Lisa Getty. I feel like this one sums up Howie really well. So uh, Lisa suddenly lost her job. I think it was two years ago now. Something like that. And uh, it was out of nowhere. And they, at the time, her and her husband lived in this house that they absolutely loved just loved and without a job there was no way they were going to be able to keep it uh, so she begrudgingly put her house up for sale and Howie came to her and said 
let me buy your house and then rent it back to you at whatever you can afford. Because that's who Howie was. That's what that's what Howie would do. He had a heart of gold. Lisa declined the offer uh, because she felt like she could get by without needing that. And it was so incredibly generous. She ended up being able to keep the house. And it was only like a month or two later that she got a new job. And everything has been wonderful since then. But, but what sh- a weight lifted knowing that she it's out there. Worst case scenario, she had this as an option. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And and that's just the kind of thing that Howie would do. You know, Howie uh, has always been kind to us and he has Very. always been in our corner supporting us. Um, and he has always made us laugh and uh just a wonderful guy. Um, another another funny story uh, that I'll try to tell correctly because I didn't pull up the notes in front of me. But a long time ago in the OPP, he posted a letter that he had gotten from SoulCycle or Equinox, one of the two. And it was from Rachel at said establishment trying to get him to leave his Peloton and come back. Because he had previously been a very frequent SoulCycler. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and how he said... No, no, Rachel. And he wrote this letter that I cannot do justice explaining, but was hilarious, extolling all of the wonderful benefits of Peloton and then ending with, so no, I will not be back. But Rachel wasn't done. And she (laughs) sent another letter, which Howie posted again. And then he posted all of his responses back. It was so, so funny. Um, we should also point out, because we haven't said this yet, that obviously how he's very well known for his poems. He's yes. kind of the poet laureate of Peloton. And so if you've ever seen a poem in the OPP. It was probably Howie. It was, it was almost definitely Howie. Yeah. And, you know, another thing that I feel like sums him up is during the first three months of the pandemic, every single night, every single night, he read a children's book aloud to all children. And he did all the voices. Every single voice for every single book. And uh, (laughs) I just can't say enough good things about Howie because he really there's been a million like tributes this week that I've heard. I've, I've watched Christine's beautiful ride. I've watched Jen Sherman's beautiful ride. I watched his entire memorial service because they live casted it. And let me tell you, there were over 500 people on and that's in addition to the people that were in the room. And it's because he he was so kind to everyone, regardless of who you were, uh, in, unless you pissed him off somehow. And um, <laughs> but if you did, you probably de- you probably deserved what yeah, was coming your way. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> during one of the memorial services described him as seeing the world as like evil or good. And he was always on the side of good. And he always liked to destroy evil. And damn, I do believe that. And I, I think the same way. So <laughs> <laughs> I really I really got that, you know. I always felt like he was on the right side of things. Yeah. And um <sighs> And you know what? Uh, he was uh a big enough deal in the Peloton community that John Foley wrote an open letter about Howie and his impact. He did. He did. And and <sighs> he also also the Peloton like social media group did a uh, a story about it as well. You know, it's it's funny, like not haha, but like it's strange to me that um, as you you go through life and you experience different losses, they they all mean different things and hit you in different ways. And this one has just really, really gotten me um, how he had survived so many 
heart issues and other illnesses. And I just I think I thought he was going to live forever. Like there was nothing that could get him down. And for this to just have happened so suddenly and without warning and. (sighs) It it was a shame. It was really sad. His his son had just got married. His son was also recently on Jeopardy yeah. and did very and did very well. And, his, yeah. and Howie was super excited about that as well. Both, he should of, be. both of those things. And, and yes. his other son. And that was both Max. And then Andy recently had just gotten a new job. And he was so proud about that. And he he and then, of course, Carrie, you know, yeah. um, one of the things that I I'm saddest about is that Carrie will be running her 50th state in Hawaii on December 8th and uh, and they had a huge celebration planned and uh, I'm sad that he won't be there for that but I know he'll be there for that you know like yeah. he'll still he'll he'll still be there in spirit um well he was there in spirit on on, <laughs> on Jen on Sherman's ride. ride uh yeah he was uh the stream the stream kept freezing so uh, and he loved to write his poems about the pause button both before and after it was in existence so it seemed only fitting that he would uh bring that ride to a repeated pause <laughs> yeah as you said tom how he controls the power the pause button now yeah <laughs> uh and there was a moment uh during the memorial service that it froze as well and <laughs> everybody was saying the same thing how he's having his fun today <laughs> yeah. so um we thought we would this week replay Howie's interview he was on episode 20 which was a lifetime ago yeah it was so long ago and but we also know that means that there are so many people that didn't hear that interview because uh, you know we we have grown over the years thankfully and, and he had an extraordinary life so you need to listen yes, to this because he, he is fascinating he is absolutely fascinating i mean when you decided that you wanted to start the podcast one of the things you one of the reasons you wanted to start is because there were so many fascinating characters in the peloton community and that you basically wanted an excuse to talk to <laughs> that's so true and and he was definitely on the list it's why he's so early in the run so without further ado ladies and gentlemen the fascinating howie godnick checking in with the peloton community so on the uh, skype phone with us today is howard godnick hi i thought you were doing howie howie godnick (laughs) they're both here yeah they're both here he has multiple personalities he's like sybil how's it going Since since my girlfriend's father's name is Howard, we have to go with Howie. Otherwise, it gets really, really awkward. Yeah, that would be weird. Yeah. I always thought of it because I I only have one sister. And so like every once in a while when you would her name was Karen, when you when you would meet a girl named Karen, I was like, I don't know that I could date a girl named Karen. That would be weird. Well, yeah, you were, it, you were it clearly was almost fine. an obstacle for our relationship, but we got over it. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> well, you probably didn't know that going in. Like, that wasn't like an intro question. But she no, knew I, it. I certainly didn't know it because he was not on J-Date. She was. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, but I think she knew his, her yeah. father's name. Call me crazy. Well, of course she did. I would hope. In today's yeah. world, you can't make those assumptions. You don't know. That's that is true. <laughs> so well, I, went on, I went on one date and it worked. So yay, that's nice. <laughs> Wait, you went on one date and you're like at all like just yeah like, one one online date. I was on J date. I was on a bunch of them, but right? I had one date um, and that was it. And then I was off. No way. Way. So you literally ended up marrying the first person you met on lo- through online dating. We are still dating. 
Oh, you're still dating girlfriend. You said girlfriend. But, but he's sorry. like, he's not on the market. Yeah. Right. I mean, he, and how that long, was it. How long have you been together? Oh, oh I got to get this right. Four years last week. Holy Whoa. cow. That's that's I'm like I'm gonna say crazy, but it's also amazing. It's impressive. Like one and done. What one and done? I I knew what I wanted, and I was able to fool her. So, yeah. <laughs> so do you do you get to you get to hold this over her head quite a bit, don't you? Because you're like uh, she was she's probably catting around on J date for months. No, no, she only she actually only had one date before me, and that person bore the first name of her ex husband. Oh, yeah, that, he wouldn't have even gotten a first date. That would not have worked for me at that, all. That would be problematic. <laughs> well, he we went from ex-husband name to father name. So, look, my ex-wife was a therapist. I'm not going to get into everything yeah. that goes behind all this. Yeah. Well, it's funny because, so, uh, Crystal, for a long time, hid her middle name from me. I did. Because her middle name is the same as my ex-wife's first name. Her, so, which is which is weird that her middle name is crazy fucking bitch. No, I'm just. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. That that's my middle name because I do not want any association with that woman. And she still carried Tom's last name when we got married. So, like when and she still got mail at our old house. Yeah. And so, so like there would be things that got confused because it would have my first and middle and last name, and then she would get a piece of mail that had oh, it was just. Awful. I got to tell you, when when we went and got our our marriage license, and when I when I saw it, it it had her name on there, even as your middle name, like I I kind of broke out into a cold sweat. Yeah, like I was He's just, all over again. We get along great with Crystal's ex husband. Like, yeah, we, I talk to him all the time. He he's, like babysits for us. Yeah, he babysits sometimes. Like he's a he's a good guy. Like yeah. I, I get and why. his new wife is great too. Yeah. Love her. And like, her name is ironically Karen, name, which is your sister's name. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't have to worry about anything there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is but, this uh, podcast a tribute to marriage? Or it is. Yeah. We're celebrating marriage <laughs> and <we> parenthood. <laughs> so it, All right. It's, swipe right. Yeah. <laughs> so Peloton. Yeah. Remember oh, those? Hey. Peloton with an O, not an E. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, so you've been listening for a while. <laughs> oh, so how did you find Peloton? You know, that's my first question. Peloton. Always well, my first question. Um, it takes me back a bit. So it'll take me back a bit into my medical history. Okay. Um, up until 1993, up until 1992, I was a runner. I had run four New York marathons, all under four hours, he says proudly. Wow. And then in 1993, I had a quadruple bypass at the age of 35. So um, I stopped running. And that was about the time that spinning became big, at least in New York. And I became a big spinner at the studios in New York City. Okay, so let me ask a question. I, I, I was watching your TED Talk, and I, I made the connection that you stopped running after after you had the quadruple bypass but is that because you had to no. okay but, but you no, felt but more comfortable doing just doing spin rather than running well I, i'm just I curious turned, it's yeah it's, no i just turned to something else i missed running okay but for a while my legs had to heal because they take veins out of both of your legs Sure. To create arteries for your heart. Um, it hurt to run because my rib cage was melded back together with stainless steel. Um, oh. And bouncing up and down wasn't the greatest thing. 
And okay. my wife was big into spinning, and she got me into spinning. And so I started to go to Reebok, was a big club in New York. I started to go there. I was already a member. Got into spinning, and then became an obsessed, obsessed spinner. I would take two, three classes a day. Whoa. And that's and back in the time before anyone put any resistance on. You know, there was no accountability. There was certainly no metrics. And I just spun my ass off standing, sprinting, <laughs> dancing on a bike for 45, then another 45, then another 45. And I loved spinning. And then we would go out east, and there was a spinning studio out east owned by a woman by the name of Marion. Uh, Marion went on to become one of the original founding crew of Peloton, and she became a very, very good friend of mine. And I took all my spinning classes with Marion uh, out in East Hampton at her studio called The Zone until 2003, when I had a massive heart attack on a spinning bike in her studio. Oh, my gosh. Yikes. And it had to be medevaced by helicopter on 22 units of morphine back to Stone Brook, which was the university I had graduated from in 1980, and I hadn't been back to since 1980. And I was arriving back on the helicopter as stoned as I was when I left in 1980. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so I stopped spinning after that because I couldn't moderate myself on a spinning bike. To me, I had strong legs and it was just dancing on a bike and I had fun and I'd get lost in the music. So I turned to bike riding, bike riding in Central Park, because you can't do on a bike. At least I couldn't do on a bike what I used to do on a spinning bike. In the meantime, Marion had hooked up with this guy named John Foley and they were designing or she was part of a team designing this indoor spinning bike at home spinning bike and she used to wax poetic about it to me for the longest time and I would nod and smile and say what a neat idea that is and think to myself what a stupid idea <laughs> and you were like please don't ask me to invest well seriously I mean spinning Wait, at home by yourself what did you think yeah why did you think that was stupid I just, no one else was doing it. I okay. couldn't imagine, look, I have all my money invested in Visa for 18, I'm getting 18% interest or I'm paying 18% of interest. All I know is my balance goes up by 18% every month. I'm not an investment genius. <laughs> so I just thought it was a stupid idea. Uh, although she would talk about it and talk about it and then it launched and I didn't really hear all that much about it. And meanwhile, I was enjoying riding my bike in Central Park until I was struck with something called anterior ischemic optic neuropathy. I'm sure you're well versed in it. I had never heard of it before in my <laughs> life, but essentially I became visually impaired. Oh, so I nice. can no longer ride my bike any longer, at least not in the city. There's just too many tra too much traffic, too many pedestrians, etc. It would be too dangerous. So I started going to the gym and aspirationally I would go to the gym and ride a recumbent bike four times a week. In fact, I would go to the gym twice a week. Um, I just wasn't working out all that much. And I would hear from or see Marion, and she would rave about this new company, Peloton, how great it was. And finally, I decided, what the hell? I would love to take classes with Marion again. So in May of 2015, I said, fuck it. I ordered my bike, and that's back in the days. It took eight to 10 weeks for the bike to arrive. By the time it finally arrived, Marion had left. Oh. Yes, I got the bike on July 2nd, 2015. I considered returning it because there's a return policy because I had bought it in the hopes of once again riding with Marion. Um, I didn't know any of the other instructors. I didn't even know what the stupid bike could do. <laughs> but nonetheless, I kept the bike. Marion's rides were on demand, so I would ride with her. I got into riding with others. And I think it's 568 rides later, um, I'm still riding Peloton, and it is without question the best investment I've ever made in myself. You know, I just got to point out, it, you had a harder time finding 
a spin instructor online than you did a girlfriend. <laughs> that's that's a very good point. <laughs> I can tell he's he's like, how have I never thought of that? <laughs> and, and I'm still biking around, so to speak. Yeah, <laughs> you slut. <laughs> but the slut loved the bike so much that the slut bought one. The bought one for his girlfriend. Aww. So you guys ride together. Well, she we don't live it together. So she rides in her apartment. She lives four blocks away, and she runs marathons. In fact, her her um, online dating name and the name I gave her as a leaderboard name when I bought her the bike is Marathon Mom. Um, nice. So she's on a quest to run a marathon in every state. Wow. Uh, she will run her 30, i got to get this right, 36th state in two weeks. Her wow. Her 47th marathon. Oh, my gosh. Um, so we will often ride at the same time together, yeah. or we'll go down to the studio together. Wow. So did she... Did she ask for a bike? No, she was riding mine periodically. I knew oh. she was enjoying it. Okay. Frustrating for the marathons. And I wanted to impress her <laughs> with a nice gift. So I announced it on the OPP back oh. when there was only a few hundred or less than a thousand people on, on the page. I announced that I had bought Marathon Mom her own Peloton bike. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's good. I mean, that's, that's a ballsy gambit. Like, <laughs> hey, honey, I bought you some exercise equipment. Like, that's... Yeah, I could be taken the wrong way, but no. Yeah. Uh, when, when you're in love with a woman who runs marathons in every state, that's not an issue. No, right, yeah. Right, I was yeah. just like, when you're like, I, and I bought my girlfriend, I'm like, ooh, that <laughs> can go one of two ways. And I just hear it as like the sweetest gift yeah. ever. Well, because... Yeah, Tom, well, you, Tom, we need for you to start riding. Well, let's not go crazy. <laughs> well, we we got yours as part of a birthday present, right? Did we? No. Or something? Kind of. I don't remember. But there's been times when you've wanted stuff like that, and I'm just like, are you sure? You're digging, Tom. You're digging. That this is appropriate for me to give to you. Yeah, you always make me sign like a disclaimer. Yeah. I'm like... This is exercise. So I just need to make very clear that you're okay with this being so, a present. So I, I will just point out, you did, you got me my birthday present yesterday. I did. I, Her birthday is tomorrow. My birthday is tomorrow. Happy so birthday. Thank you. And uh, he did not ask before he got me this gift. I love the gift, um, to be clear. But he got me a HelloFresh subscription. Oh, like, I've oh. heard great things about that, actually. Yeah, I'm so excited to try it. I cannot wait till it gets here. I'm super excited. But is that a about your cooking right <laughs> when do we cook <laughs> yeah we really we're really bad about cooking <laughs> and so you've been trying to eat healthy i have and so i just thought like well here's a way to make it easy and you're and you're always frustrated because i i think the category of culinary design that i fall into is kind of like Eight-year-old boy at a theme park, right? <laughs> so I'm like, lots of pizza, lots of chicken tenders, preferably in the shape of something adorable. <laughs> well, you're like me, Tom. I, first of all, here's my palate. I love airline food, and I yeah. eat the same thing every single day, almost the exact same meals every single day. I, I do not have a palate. I um, can absolutely do that. Like I'm, I'm hyper specific about what I like. I did a, I once, so I once did a low, like a low carb, low calorie diet as part of a medical study, and and lost a bunch of weight, kept the bulk of it off. Actually, I mean, I I, I lost about seventy pounds. And, wow, you uh, look great. Well, thank you. <laughs> but um, but like it was low carb, low calorie, so I couldn't go over twenty carbs a day, and 
and I couldn't go over 800 calories a day. Wow. So calories. Yeah, so I got really good at figuring out like like what's the most amount of food I can eat without going and one of the things I would do is I would like I would go weeks at a time where I would have like uh, I was never a big breakfast eater, so I wouldn't eat breakfast. I'd have beef jerky for lunch, <laughs> and then I would have a plate of taco meat for dinner. And I did that for years. Like, I mean, a long. I still eat taco. I was like, like you plate, eat taco meat all the time. I eat a plate of taco meat all the time. I'll just make taco meat and just eat the meat. All right, let's go back to talking about the bike, Tom. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. No, no, no. But but I, I look. I'm the same way. I the, the meal serves a purpose. It's to fill my stomach. It's a waste of time and money for me to go out to a fancy restaurant because I don't eat red meat for health issues. Basically, there are only so many ways one can make chicken or fish. So it's yogurt for lunch and something plain for dinner. Wow. It kind of reminds me of, was it was it Einstein that had like 40 of the same suit that he was just like, I don't want to waste time thinking about what I'm going to wear. So he would just every day get up more. But like, that have, sounds like Einstein. Yeah. That makes good sense. It yeah. does. He's like, why worry about it? Exactly. I could see and your son Brian that. doing that. Yeah. Brian's like that. Brian has eaten waffles for breakfast every day for eight years, nine years. Yeah. Like he's, I mean, it's. Yeah. He sometimes has Fruit Loops. Sometimes. Okay, if I eat waffles for breakfast every day, I would eat waffles for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. So uh, I, I've seen uh, you talk about the fact that, that you had a, like an acting career. I did. I, um, I graduated college as a theater major. And the next day, literally the next day, hit the streets of New York doing street mime and stand-up comedy in the theater district. While auditioning at the same time, I was an extra in a slew of movies. I'm sure you recognize me from all of them. Uh, <laughs> so were, were you an extra in any movies that we might have seen? Uh, yes. Such Ze as? Zelig. You remember me. I was person number 500. <laughs> I love Zelig. Yeah, Zelig is great, but... My I've, seen Zelig, I've seen it probably, seriously, I've, I've seen Zelig probably 15 times. Well, it was, it was because of me. Thank you. Hey, you're um, welcome. My second day on the street doing street mime, I was there in my little clown outfit with my white face on, and they were filming a movie in front of the Schubert Theater, which at the time had Chorus Line. And okay. I used to use the mirrors of Chorus Line to put my makeup on. I didn't understand why they had changed the marquee to a show called Never Say Never. But in fact, they were shooting a film called The Fan with Lauren Bacall and James Gardner. I'm three days out of school. And the um, designer for the movie comes running up to me and says, excuse me, we're doing a film here. Would you like to be in it? Do you have time? No. No, I'm booked. <laughs> so I wind up being in this film, and he had visions of me doing all this mime shit with James Gardner. I had a lot of my own shots on camera. It was fantastic. And the first thing on my resume for a year was The Fan with Lauren Bacall and James Gardner with how we got it as The Mime. I mean, right. this was my big break until the film came out the year after, and I was cut. Um, that sucked. I had been telling all my friends and family, you got to go see this movie. I'm fantastic in it. But then my sort of big break, so to speak, was um, Saturday Night Live. I was a regular extra and bit part player on that show from around 1981 to 1983. So you were there in in the, the what, the Jean Dumont era, yes, right? very good, yes. Yeah, I, I'm an SNL-like aficionado, so like, so you were there when it was like Charles Rocket and Gilbert no, Godfrey? No, after Charles Rocket. You were after Charles Rocket. 
Eddie Murphy, Joe Piscopo, Tony Rosado, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Mary okay. Gross, Tim Kazarinski, uh, Julia's husband, Brad Hall, then boyfriend, right. uh, Christine Ebersol, that group. Okay, so you were it was like the non-Lauren Michael time frame, right? That's Dick Ebersol, right? Or Brandon Tartikoff? It was Gene to Dick. Okay, there we go. Yeah, that that's a crazy time, because didn't Eddie Murphy kind of started off as an extra, too, right? Well, no. He started well, it's funny about Eddie. Eddie was a supporting player. He's a, right. a, a many clicks up from me. And during the Charles Rocket era, if I remember the story correctly, when he was a, a supporting player or something like that, you know, the show is a live show and they, it has to be 90 minutes and they factor in laughter uh, to get you to that 90 minutes. And, and on no one, one was laughing. <laughs> right. One particular night, they had a lot of dead time at the end. So Eddie did stand up at the end and he killed it. And that's what elevated him to where he was. And then during his era, so to speak, that's when 48 Hours came out. Right. Uh, which was the biggest movie in the country at the oh time. Oh, my God. That and, movie and was Eddie, just a juggernaut. Eddie was a young kid from the inner city. He yeah, was I think. 19 years old. And I was, suddenly, yeah, I was going to say he was 19 when he started SNL. Yeah. Yeah. His ego exploded like any of our egos would have exploded. Sure. And yeah. he, he came to 8H, which is the studio they shoot at. Yes. Um, the next, the next fall with this humongous diamond 48 hanging off his chest. And the show became a star vehicle for not the ensemble it had been. Right. A cast and a half or so before that. A star vehicle for Eddie and basically Piscopo. Eddie and Joe got most of the sketches. And they everyone were, else was a supporting player trying to get some airtime in some sketch. Yeah, I mean, they were almost a comedy team. You know, exactly. they, were, they worked right. together so much. Yeah. Right. But the interesting thing about that error is, if you were, you probably remember, Tom, the Larry the Lobster show, uh-huh. where the um, they had a live dial-in vote. Dial-in to save Larry the Lobster. To save, do, you right. had to, do you want to kill him? Do you want to boil him or save him? And you called him exactly. a, a 900 Daniel number. Exactly, and Daniel Trevante was the guest host. I was on that show. Yeah. And in dress rehearsal, the expectation was that people would vote to kill Larry the Lobster. And in fact, the live vote was to save Larry the Lobster. So he, he survived for a few more episodes. But that was the precursor. For shows like American Idol, it's the first time a network experimented with live voting. Like interaction, yeah. Exactly. And that's what the technology that was developed through and the overwhelming response to kill or or save Larry is what led to networks being comfortable having live voting. Fascinating. Yeah. They did a, there was a, I think they finally did one where they, where they quote unquote killed him. And I think Harry Anderson hosted that episode because the, he's got a story about Larry the Lobster and like the, and then because he was a Harry Anderson, people forget because of Night Court and then that Dave's World show. They think of Harry Anderson is like this really kind of like nice, friendly, super but like his magic act really kind of had a little bit of a of a mean streak to it. You, you know, and uh, and it's great. It's it yeah. was so good. And so he was all about the idea of killing the lobster. But I mean. I mean, they didn't really, but like letting people think that they killed the lobster and and he just wouldn't give it away. And the people were they were getting inundated with calls. And yeah, like that's a that's a fascinating era because you're right. It was a star vehicle for Eddie because like he basically put that show on his back and saved it. Like if there hadn't been an Eddie Murphy and that show time canceled, there would be no SNL today. That's he kept, absolutely he, right. He single handedly kept that show on the air. When people hear I was on the show, they always say, oh, it was great back then. It wasn't so great back then. 
the show has always been, putting aside this past season, which I thought was terrific, yeah. the show has always been better in hindsight. Absolutely. Than it actually was at the time. There were some I, funny sketches. The, the Gumby sketches were, were sure. hilarious. The uh, Doug Wee. and Weiner yeah. were hilarious. But there were a lot of dogs also. I always look at SNL as like a uh, gambler. It's like uh, when you talk to a gambler, people, they only remember the wins, you know? And, and SNL is like that. People are like, oh, man, this sketch was great. This sketch was great. But they but when they're 18 months out, five years out, they don't remember the sketches that tank. They just remember the hits. And if That's exactly like, right. That, to me, that's like fishing. I'm a Jew formerly from Queens. When I go fishing, I go to Zabar's. But once I went shark fishing... <laughs> We were 12 hours out on a boat off of Montauk, and I learned during that 12 hours that yesterday was always the best day of fishing. Yes. <laughs> the captain told us how yesterday there was this shark and that shark, and the only thing we caught were sunburns. Right. Yeah. The, you know, it's what's interesting is the famous uh, Star Trek sketch with John Belushi where they end up canceling it while they're filming it and they're dismantling the set. Like, people think that sketch is so funny, and what they don't realize is that sketch if you go back and watch the original sketch, it's like nine minutes long. And, 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 uh, and, and when you watch it now, you see the edited down. They just edit out like the really like funny 90 seconds or two minutes of it. When you watch the original one, it just goes on and on. Kind of like our discussion of SNL. <laughs> Yeah, but look, it was uh, in my circle of friends. I was quite the celebrity, and I could bring sure. people down to the studio, and it was a lot of fun. And I was in my early twenties, and there are stories from those days that I'll save for another day. But it was great. It was it was fun. Um, but it certainly wasn't what I had quote unquote trained as an actor to do. I had sure. gone to the Welsh College of Music and Drama in Cardiff, Wales, for a year, you know, to be an actor. <laughs> right. Uh, and sitting in restaurant scenes or being operated on or playing John Wilkes booths or, or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, or being in a people's court sketch um, <laughs> wasn't exactly challenging me as an actor, but it was definitely fun. Yeah, so, so then you ended up transitioning to law school. So how did that happen? <laughs> well, you know, I was fortunate. I was always able to pay my bills through entertaining, either working the streets. I did street mine for many years. I did children's theater, paid children's theater. I would get extra work on films. I would do SNL, which paid nicely. I would wait a table here and there, which was terrific. But I wasn't acting. I wasn't doing what I thought I could do. And the thing about that career is you don't get a chance to show anyone you have no talent, let alone that you have talent. And I was lucky. I was working. And so I, I had at least the intellectual wherewithal to understand that my picture alone, which is what opens the door for you, your picture and resume, right. wasn't the look of the day. Whoever the look was back in the early 1980s, I don't know, Robert Redford or whomever. I, I just don't remember. I, you know, that wasn't me. I was a character actor. And so I was one of a zillion character actors that were waiting tables, being bicycle messengers and extras and films. And so luck, luck plays a huge, huge part of it. Um, and there's nothing wrong with pursuing it. And I pursued it for four years or so and made a living at it. And then I wound up as a casting assistant casting director on a feature film, on a SAG film. And there was this one guy who would call me every day and beg me for extra work. I was in charge of casting all the extras in the film. And you would look at his resume, and he had littered throughout his resume what I called moments. Moments at which I'm sure he thought he would never have to be an extra again. He had a recurring role on a TV show. He had a 
wheel part in a movie, a Broadway credit, etc., etc. And so here he was at the age of 54 begging me for extra work. And I asked him why. And he said he needed two more days work in order to hit the SAG minimum to get health benefits. And as much as I loved the life I was leading, I wanted eventually to have a family. I didn't want to live a gypsy life. I wasn't on the verge of getting married or anything like that, but I knew what I wanted for myself. Yeah. So I knew I, I needed to find an alternative to what I was doing. I auditioned for Ringling Brothers and actually got accepted to Ringling Brothers. And in the five months gap between the audition in the center ring at Madison Square Garden and hearing back from them, I had done a lot of due diligence to learn what life was like uh, being part of the circus, living on a train 11 months a year. That's a rough life. Smell, yeah, your thighs smell like elephant your whole yeah. life. And so I started to think, what else might I want to do with my life? So as a Jew, I had three choices. I could go to medical school, um, <laughs> but that meant since I was a, had been a theater major, going back to college and taking the sciences. And since I was already leaving revenue to take on debt, i.e. I was working, I was making a good living, but now I was going to go to school and take on school debt. I didn't want to have to start seven squares back. The right. other alternative, given my heritage, was to be an accountant and kill myself, meaning no disrespect to accountants. <laughs> and the third alternative was to go to law school. And when I was in college, I used to drive to the courthouse, not because I've had this deep-seated love for the law, but I thought it was great theater. Um, and so I just figured, what the hell? I'll go to law school. And that's what I did. And I graduated first in my class. And it's been a fun ride since. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there is a lot of crossover, especially if you're going to do, if you're actually going to be a trial lawyer. Like right. there's you need to have a performance aspect because you want to win over that jury like you look I think a performance aspect to your personality is beneficial to whatever you do as Absolutely. a litigation partner in what's euphemistically referred to as big law in New York City you spend more time behind your desk than you do in front of a jury sure um, but there's also uh, oral arguments and there are trials and there's depositions and there's negotiation and there's communicating with your clients, etc., and your adversaries, and having a sense of presence and a sense of performance, if it comes naturally to you, only benefits you. But as I tell young associates all the time, if you think my humor works for me in court, and you're not a funny person, don't try it. Yeah. You have to be yourself. And so it's worked, it's worked well for me. It's <laughs> funny, Crystal and I have this conversation all the time because she'll be like, I need to do this presentation, and I'll be like, here's what you should do, and I'll like have this like real kind of funny bit that kind of, but also drives a point home, and she's just like, no. yeah, I, that's not who I am. I, I cannot can't do, that. do that. Like It just it, it falls flat and is insincere when I do it. Tom could do it great, but if I tried something like that, everybody <laughs> would think I was a dick. <laughs> you can do that presentation as you. Right. Right. Practically and not be a dick. Yes. Yeah. It's but if I try to put a shtick to it, it fails miserably because yeah. it's not who I am. I'm just I'm I you get exactly what you see with me. I am just I am so blunt and honest all the time. And so if I try to do something like that, it is completely insincere. Yeah. I've, I've always had this weird ability to be able to say like kind of shitty things to people. <laughs> And then they just laugh. <laughs> they t I do it all the time. <laughs> but you don't always get away with it, right? I mean, there are times that you get busted because someone doesn't quite have the same sense of humor as you. 
No, I mostly get away with yeah, that. Yeah, I've never, I've never seen him get busted on it. Like, I've never seen that happen. Um, now, the only thing I've ever seen reverse to that is when somebody starts crap with him and he goes right to that place automatically and then it gets really... Like, they never have a comeback for whatever he says because right. he thinks of it so fast and then they just kind of end up looking like well, an idiot. Like, like, I'm sure I don't have to tell you, like, like being funny, like, you can also... You can weaponize that and, like, and 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 be really mean. You know what I mean? And, and, and in a way that just is just going to eviscerate people. So like, you also have to be really careful. Like when you when you do get in like arguments with a loved one, like you could say things that are just in the that in the moment you're you just want to say something mean and cutting that just you can never walk back. And he's really good about not doing that, just to be clear. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Tom, if we can talk offline about how one finds the line. <laughs> <laughs> What's really great, though, is when you finally decide to divorce her. And then and then you've got 10 years of like, oh, <laughs> so, here well, it comes. That line is important. It's like on the OPP, right? Um, yes. The OPP, uh, every now and then, in the last few months, more now than then, yes. can take a turn. And my humor can go in lots of directions. Um, not that people will necessarily find it funny, but it's my humor. And I choose to employ it and apply it in a way that's not necessarily cutting, hopefully a little bit clever, uh, but just to cool people the fuck out sometimes. Yeah, you like you have this way of just kind of like uh, neutralizing the situation. You take the focus off of the polarized viewpoints and kind of put it like t you kind of just bring this gravity to it of like, can we get some perspective, guys, without saying, can we get some perspective? Right. Guys? Oh, look, I can be nasty, too. Yeah. There are pages <laughs> on which I can be very nasty. Um, but I truly do. I have a genuine affection for the OPP. I genuinely do. It is part of what got me so invested in the bike. It was not to coin a phrase, more than just a bike, but it wasn't just <laughs> riding at home. It was being part of what then was a much smaller community of folks spread out across the country, all of whom had inspirational stories that would motivate me every day and hold me accountable. And I wanted to be part of it. And I was happy to be part of it. And it's that spirit, not to get too you know touchy-feely here, but it was that spirit that got me so invested in the experience of Peloton. And look, things grow and the page has grown and God bless, because that's a reflection of the success of the bike, which inures to all of our benefits, except for Tom. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, as it grows, it, it brings in folks of lots of different personalities and lots of different backgrounds and lots of different attitudes and edges, etc. And sometimes it sadden me, saddens me to see where it goes. And I try to do my part periodically to take the temperature down a little bit. So is that how the poem started? Is that is that kind of where it came from? Is that why you started doing it? Well, they sort of started back in late 2015 when um, I was trying to get one of the instructors to do a television theme song show ride. And so <laughs> I would post comments all the time for them to do. They used to take requests for theme rides, and I would post TV theme show ride all the time with the Flintstones, Beverly Hillbillies, this or that. And then I started to get a little bit more creative with it, and that became 
came, that's when I first started marking up, so to speak, the Declaration of Independence and stuff like that and putting different words in and waxing poetic about it until uh, Jennifer Sherman Schreiber, Sherman Schreiber, as I like to say, Jen, I love her. <laughs> she wrote me and said, God, Nick, I'm going to do your goddamn TV theme show, show ride. <laughs> and so after four or five months of lobbying in February of 2016, I guess it was the first home rider invasion in which I participated, but I don't think it was, I think it was the first official, official Peloton HRI, because prior to that, some OGs had put together an HRI, but it wasn't sponsored by Peloton. But at that February 2016 HRI, uh, on that Sunday, she did that TV theme show ride, which sort of um, gave a stamp of approval to my my lyrics and my <laughs> poetry. Not And by the way, not everyone loves it, and I've gotten a lot of shit for it, too, so I use it sparingly. <laughs> well, I think they're great. <laughs> they make me laugh every time. <laughs> I was just thinking, like, a TV theme ride would be, like, a lot of songs because those song those themes are pretty short. Yeah, there are. It's fantastic, Tom. You should take that ride. Just you should sit, just sit on the bike and take the trip down memory lane. <laughs> He's like, I'm not doing it. Yeah, I immediately started trying to think about like TV shows that were based around bikes, but I can't really think. No, of no, no, no. It's it's the Beverly Hillbillies. It's the Flint oh no, it's I get that. Island. It's, I was uh, just. Trying to come up with show, TV shows that were based around bikes just to see if I could. <laughs> yeah, no, Jen did a great job putting together uh, a playlist. I provided her some suggestions, but you're right. Some of the songs are like a minute or two minutes. She would find yeah. long versions of The Odd Couple, for example. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and there must be 48 songs in those 45 minutes. But it's, I think it's one of the most taken rides on demand of all time. But that's okay. what started me in sort of that's funny lyrical wordplay, and that was like February of 2016, and it was a Jennifer Sherman ride. Schreiber Sherman, Schreiber Sherman ride. JSS. When you say it, when you say it like that, she sounds like both a law firm and a Confederate general. Take her down, damn it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, Jen, Jen is a friend and Jen is great. But She's awesome. Yeah, the ride was, I think, February 21st of 2016, if that's a Sunday, something like that. I did, yeah, I'm not Rain Man. I can't tell you that. No, okay. I was just like, you were looking at me no, like, because is that's it our a anniversary. Sun? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was so focused on like what day of the week it was. And you're looking at me like I would know. February okay. 21st is when we got married. Oh, Hello. is that when that was? <laughs> you should have said something. <laughs> I'll wait here while you guys work this out. <laughs> this might be the last episode of the clip out. She leaves me. You said that last episode. Too. I know, but we patched it up. But now two in a row. I don't know. Hey, right. J, J Day. <laughs> there you go. All right, you don't need to try to set him up. Like it's okay. <laughs> you guys are doing just fine. You're you have had quite a health journey. You t you talked about some of that earlier. There, no, no. There there are a lot of inspirational stories embedded in the Peloton community. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Mine is perhaps one of them, the, hardly the most inspiring, but nonetheless, it's mine. And I've been fortunate in that I got to tell my story twice in front of a video camera, so more people have seen it or heard it. As I indicated in, in 93, um, I had a quadruple bypass at the age of 35. And then at, uh, 10 years later, in 2003, I had a heart attack on a spinning bike in East Hampton. I became visually impaired first in 2009, then 2010. It happened to each 
shy um, one year than the other. So the end result of which is um, essentially blind completely in one eye, and I have limited vision in the other eye. But you get used to that because um, you don't wake up every day and say to yourself, I can't see through my elbow, right? It's just your baseline. But light causes me extreme pain. And thus, I'm often seen with sunglasses and a hat to block out the light. And I have the palest, whitest, most phosphorescent skin on earth because I don't go out very much and my apartment is very dark. I had two stents put in uh, in 2012 and then this past April, lucky me, it turned out I lost 40% of my blood internally um, and was collapsing and passing out for about a week or so without knowing what was going on. I did get a couple of rides in though which was pretty stupid. I didn't know I was dying. Uh, that turned out to be two ulcers, but I'm... Um, I was going to ask what that, wa- like what that was that would cause that. So ulcers cause it? Well, that was from two... It turns out I had two ulcers, one of which was large, caused by a combination of some of the many meds I take, including oh. blood thinners and aspirin. And at the time, I was on an anti-inflammatory because I have a really bad back. I have a lot of design defects, but <laughs> I don't... I Look, people have it a lot worse than me. I have absolutely no complaints whatsoever. And as my cardiologist said to me back in 93 after my bypass surgery, uh, words that I live by, which were, you didn't die, you have to live. And I, I truly do believe in that. There are people who wake up every day hardly as fortunate as I am. And as you may have seen in, in my Award of Courage speech, I have a picture that sits on my desk of a man, a very poor man, buying a handful of water in Jaipur, India, when I was there. It was 120 degrees. And he's buying a handful of water. And the picture sits on my desk as a reminder of how lucky I am. And not because I'm luckier than that man. But you think of all of the people, the millions of people in the world who don't have the spare change to buy that handful of water, who look at that man as a really lucky man. Well, that reminds me to keep life in perspective and how fortunate I am. Yeah, I've had some things, but none of them have set me back and none of them will. So did that does do those health issues do they do they run in your family or is it just kind of an anomaly? You know, people ask me about the heart stuff. Uh, do you have a family history? And I always say I do now. <laughs> the answer is no. And I was doing everything right before my bypass. I was a runner. I was a runner. Um, I always watched what I ate. You know, you, I lived a good lifestyle. As it turned out, my cholesterol, my total cholesterol was too high. But more important to that was my HDL, which you want very high, was very, very low. And so my ratio of total cholesterol to HDL was almost 20 to 1, which really, really sucks. Um, And that's an indication of what was to be. The heart attack on the spinning bike 10 years later, I literally blew out one of my bypassed arteries because I was riding so hard on the bike. I was stupid. I wasn't wearing a heart rate monitor. There was no resistance back in those days. I mean, there was, but nobody put resistance on. And you just... You just sprinted for an hour and a half. You danced. And someone with my history at that point should not have been dancing. Perhaps I should have sat that dance out. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I wound up feeling a severe chain in my chest. And one of, the, one of the other riders in the Peloton community, who I did not know then, 
I'm good friends with her now, and she's a physician, Jamie Stern, was in that class that day. I owe her an apology and $40 for the class because I fucked it up for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but I tried not to. I went out to the front desk, and Marion was standing. She wasn't teaching that class. Uh, she was at the front desk, and I said, get me an aspirin. And with that, I collapsed to the floor. And another physician in the class, an OBGYN, I am the only male patient she's ever had. She attended to me while the ambulance came, and all I remember are tears coming down my eyes and me asking her, will I ever see my boys again? I have, oh. I have two boys now. I have two younger boys then. And I started crying and could hardly breathe, and the pain was, was gripping because it was a pretty massive heart attack. And she got me to calm down, and I certainly saw my boys again. Oh. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, no, it didn't suck. Yeah. Well, no, it sucked, but it's good. But it's good that you got to see. It was a good ending. Right. It was. It was a sucky experience. But I used to travel a lot, a lot for work all over the world. And every year I would be platinum on what was then continental. And that year, because um, I was out of pocket for a couple of months, I didn't make platinum. So I wrote to the then chairman of Continental Airlines. I showed him my history with the airlines, how every year I had been a platinum member. I had flown enough miles to be whatever their highest level was. Like George Clooney him, and up in the air. <laughs> I explained to him that I had been medevac by helicopter. And had it been up to me, it would have been a Continental helicopter. But it wasn't. <laughs> and I asked if I could be sort of an honorary platinum for the year, and they gave it to me. Wow. Good for them. You hear so many, like, lousy stories about airlines. So good for for yeah. them for doing something yeah, nice. Where the fuck are they now? They got absorbed by United. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's what being that's what being nice gets you. Right. <laughs> I, I fucked up the whole airline. Thanks a lot. <laughs> but that's that, that's my that's my medical history, you know. So I, I deal with the vision stuff. I, I go to rainforests and not beaches now, uh, but I don't let it stop me or my girlfriend Carrie from traveling. We still travel the world. I wear my sunglasses. I wear my hat. I may look silly in a Broadway show wearing sunglasses, but but fuck it. Uh, I'm having a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever you got to do to enjoy life. I mean, you only get to live it once. So who gives a shit what anybody thinks? Like, absolutely. Just, you get to live it twice. I want this one to be good. Yeah. Yeah. You want, absolutely. Them, both, you want them both to be good. <laughs> exactly yeah. right. So was it just a fluke that like none of this stuff popped up until you were older? Like, why did it happen? Why, like, why weren't you having these issues when you were a kid or a teenager? Well, the, the hard stuff, and there are a lot of cardiologists and physicians in the Peloton community, uh, and I will sound, sound like an idiot talking about this, but, you know, heart disease sneaks up on you, and blockages in the arteries sneak up on you, and it's not until you are very occluded, until you're very blocked, that you start to become symptomatic. And I'm just very fortunate that I didn't keel over and die during any of, you know, I would run every day. Uh, long distance, and I didn't do a gym fix. Uh, That's and, exactly and, who I was thinking of was gym yeah, fix. No, yeah, no, no, look, it's, and as a result of my experience, because everyone in my firm knew me as Howie the athlete, Howie the runner at least, all the old guy partners went out and got stress tests after me. <laughs> um, I, was, I was the greatest thing ever to happen to my cardiologist. Uh, <laughs> And I often uh, say I'm God's gift to the medical community because I've, I've built a lot of second and third homes for a lot of doctors in the New York area. <laughs> <laughs>
You know, and then with the eye stuff, it's just a rare condition that can randomly strike, I forget what the statistics are, one in 50,000 people in one eye. And if it happens in one eye, you have a one in six chance happening in the other eye. So call me lucky. I got it in one eye and then I got it in the other eye. So the eye stuff is completely unrelated to the heart stuff? Unrelated. Completely unrelated. Wow. Uh, That's just, uh, it's just crazy that all those things could happen to one person. You know what? Like I say, my life is good. I got no complaints. I know. And I just, I, I really admire your attitude about it because it would be so easy to just be like, oh, come on, like something else is wrong with me, you know, and to just feel frustrated and mad. It, it would be well, look, so easy yeah, to do that. You're right, Crystal. And I have my moments that I get frustrated or, or my eyes are killing me from all the light or this or that. But you can go through life as a miserable wench and you may be entitled to go through as a miserable person complaining, woe is me, uh, everything happens to me, just my luck, etc. But and enough about my ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that becomes the totality of your life. And, right. and yeah, so you make it a does. choice. I've made a choice to not view things that way. Um, there are too many good things I have in my life, too many great things and great opportunities, things I get to do to to dwell on some of the other shit I got to deal with, especially when you got that guy buying the handful of water in the 120 degree heat who gets to do that when so many people don't. Yeah, I mean, and if if that guy had your health situation, he would just be dead. Like he would not be in, he's not in a place where he has access where he would have access to that. Exactly right. Not to say India doesn't have that, but I mean, in his life, he's not in a place where he has access to that. Right. I I had a heart attack and they had to get me from point A to point B. I got to go on a helicopter. (laughs) Right. It was great. And I asked the pilot to hum the theme song from MASH as he took off. (laughs) (laughs) That's so something Tom would do. I would totally do that. That's a true story. (laughs) I have no doubt. That's what morphine will do to you. (laughs) So how did you end up getting the award of courage from Sloan Kettering? Well, I don't know. (laughs) But (laughs) somebody who knew somebody knew my story and they reached out to me. And I pushed back when they offered it to me because of all the design defects I've had, for better or worse, I've never had cancer. And I thought there were many more inspirational people who actually can talk the talk because they've walked the walk than me, but they insisted. And so I said yes and tried to tie in my perspective of fighting back against some of the twists and turns that life throws at you uh, and help them raise that night over a million dollars for the cause from that night. I mean, part of it, it's a fundraiser. So they choose people who have a story to tell and they choose people who have have connections, people who can sell very expensive tables and very expensive seats, etc., etc. So I brought together a combination of access to people with money and a bit of a story to tell. And I sat down two days before and, and scratched out some thoughts and pulled together some slides and reached out to uh, my friend Michael Fox and asked if, because he's a role model to me. Um, and asked him if he would introduce me. Actually, he introduced, yeah, he, my son Max introduced Michael and then Michael introduced me. And it, it all came together, and it was an extraordinary experience. Yeah, and and you're kind of glossing over that, but that's that's Michael J. Fox. Like that's an amazing that's an amazing experience to have. And I know that you're personally friends with him, and so I I know because Tom has friends that are celebrities, and it's it's a little bit different when you're you know them personally. But I mean, 
that's really cool that he well, would do it, that. And right. you... it, it's cool. And, and Michael is a great person. And I didn't ask him because he was Michael J. Fox. I mean, obviously, right. that doesn't escape me because you got to sure. refer to him by something. <laughs> but he and I have talked about how these twists and turns impact your life. We had talked about it. Yeah. Um, how you deal with it. And, and what he continues to fight through and fight for has always been inspirational to me and he was a role model to me so the fact that he would do that for me meant the world to me and not easy for him and what michael has is a progressive disease and it's you know it, it was progressing so that he did that for me I, w- I was quite honored by that well and you guys seem to have a very similar take on your your physical ailments for lack of a better word that i mean like he's always been one open about it two he has as best as you can a a pretty good sense of humor about it i mean he i mean he built an entire sitcom around being someone with parkinson's you know yes he did and my son worked on that Oh, that's, oh awesome. that's so cool. The production assistant on that. Yes. And he has a great perspective. And Michael often says that, um, and there's some perversity to this, but I understand what he's saying. Michael always says that Parkinson's is the best thing ever to happen to him. It gave him meaning. It gave him purpose. And it gave him the opportunity to elevate what was a you know, sort of a, a, a um, B-side disease. No one talked about Parkinson's right. um, into a major issue. And he's raised extraordinary sums of money. And he's involved in the organization. He's not just lending his celebrity to the organization. Michael is involved on a day-to-day basis. So it gave him true purpose in life beyond what he had accomplished prior to then. And I think before before Michael J. Fox, uh, I don't know if you contracted or if it develops. I don't want to use improper terminology, but but before he had Parkinson's or knew he had Parkinson's, like I think the perception was it was a disease that old people got. Yeah, exactly right. Right. Nobody yeah. talked about it. Right. Yeah, it was like, well, you get it, but you get it in your 80s and like something's going to take you out and it sucks. But, the, you know, you're 80, like right. so whatevs. But, you know, it, they, I don't think people perceived it as something a 35 or 40 year old super healthy individual would have. Right. Right. And it wasn't getting the type of funding. Right. Any other more well-known, more, for lack of a better term, celebrated diseases were getting. And yeah. Michael's shown a spotlight on Parkinson's, as it should be shown on lots of other diseases. Absolutely. Um, to get the necessary financial support. But he did that. He didn't do it alone, but he played a major, major part in it. And to this day, he remains extraordinarily involved in the cause he just has always seemed like such a genuine person to me i've just always i've always been a fan because he always seems just genuine i always think an example of how likable the guy must be like in real life is is family ties right like they alex p keaton was written to be a complete douchebag like on the page Alex P. Keaton was supposed to be this Republican asshole, like just the like a, a, the epitome, the cliche of what people thought a Republican douche would be. And he, he was Lee Atwater as a child. Right. And but instead, like Michael J. Fox was was so effing likable. Right. That charming, personable. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it shone through <laughs> like he couldn't hide it. Like, yeah. And, and and so and people and, and it, 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 he 
kind of uh, I always refer to it uh, is he fonzied the show like <laughs> like Fonzie wasn't supposed to be the star of Happy Days right, right. like right. that happens sometimes Urkel wasn't supposed to be the star of Family Matters it like Alex B Keaton was not supposed to be the star of Family Ties and right. and he completely and, and not through like a like, like not, he didn't push his way right, in right, right, not it's just a, his natural ability right, not through a pushy temper tantrum kind of thing but it's just he just his his personality in a good way just kind of took over the show and it became as we talked previously a star vehicle for Michael J Fox and changed his life in good ways and in challenging ways yeah i'm sure i'm, I'm you know cuz i mean he was kind of for a long time he was Alex B. Keaton. Right. Like that, but that's, he also, he, he was sort of plucked out of uh, obscurity uh, from Canada, right. never having graduated high school, which he regretted. And suddenly he was on this star machine yeah. that changes your life uh, in many ways for the better and in many ways potentially for the worse. He's got a story. I've heard him tell a story in an interview about how when he was, when he got the word that he was cast in, in Family Ties, he was literally on a payphone. I I think the story was he was like across the street from like a fast food restaurant and he's accepting this role on a major television show on network TV thinking like, oh, man, I wish I had enough cash in my pocket to go get some food at this fast food restaurant. Like he was he was like that. I mean, just a kid. Yeah. No money. Just yeah. a normal person. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow, that literally changed his life. It's just so funny how one moment can do that. Absolutely. Wow. So how did you, can, if not to turn this into the Michael J. Fox story, but how how did you cross paths with him, if, if we can ask? Well, now you've asked it. As, as is often the case, and I'm sure it's not unique to New York, at a certain point in your life, you meet new people through your kids' school's friends. Yeah. And essentially that's how, at first, we became friendly with Michael and Tracy and their kids. Right. Um, through our kids and then started vacationing with them a bit. That's how we became friendly with them. Gotcha. I always think it's got to be really weird when you're a well-known person like that and to to pick up new friends because you're kind of wondering. Are they just being my friend because I'm I'm. Because I'm famous. Yeah. Like, why are they here? Like, that has to be difficult. Well, we were in St. John's once, and we were walking to dinner. Uh, I was walking, talking to Michael, and these two women are walking towards us. And as they approach us, they say, oh, God, we love you, Michael. And then they kept walking, and we kept walking. And I said, that must be so odd for you. And he said, I'm worried that I've been with her before. <laughs> That just makes me love him more. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, that's great. Oh, that is. What a great story. We bought a, what, a $20 milkshake in St. John's. Yeah, we <laughs> did. <laughs> we, yeah, we. We were on a cruise and we went to St. John and we, we took the kids out to like a restaurant. We, it was really hot and we we're like, yeah, let's just get milkshakes for everybody. <laughs> not, not realizing like you're on an island <laughs> and they have, they have to fly in milk. <laughs> we just didn't. We didn't think it was just like. <laughs> so we get the bill and we're like, we, we, like it was just a little like sit down hut kind of a restaurant, <laughs> and like we get the bill when we're done and we're like a hundred and forty dollars. <laughs> like what the hell did we get? <laughs> and was it good for you? No, it, honestly, it was not. It was one of the worst milkshakes <laughs> I ever had before I knew how much it cost. Yeah. yeah. It was, how much traction have you? How much usage have you gotten out of that story since? Uh, oh, oh, quite a bit. Yeah, a little bit. 
<laughs> because because we we always make a joke now. Every time we order milkshakes, we're like we we tease the kids like let's check the price this time before yeah. we order it. <laughs> it yeah, wasn't it wasn't on the menu. It was not on the menu. Yeah, that was... should have been a freaking clue. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's like uh, that line in Pulp Fiction where he's like five dollar milkshake. That better be a pretty good milkshake. <laughs> yeah, but the guy that sold you that milkshake, he owns second homes next to all my doctors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, I mean, it, looking back, it was like that was freaking brilliant because they were like because we were talking about how hot it was and they were like oh we have milkshakes and I mean what an upsell oh, you know yeah, good we job totally I- walked into it and it's also like it's such a good like uh, it's such a good circle of life kind of moment like right that he's got second homes by selling food that causes heart attacks and then exactly. and-, and I'm sitting home alone in the dark eating yogurt right yes oh gosh <laughs> So uh, back to the bike, as we were saying uh, multiple times. Uh, you have some some pretty strong opinions about Peloton, just various things so, like the pause button, things like that. So so maybe walk us through a few of those. Well, all right. So we'll talk pause for a second. Okay. Uh, I am I'm a fa- I am famous or infamous for my views on the pause feature. Let me preface this by saying I have never had any use for a pause feature. I hate for this because I think it's the right thing because I understand the plight of many a mom or or a stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home dad with young children who's trying to squeeze in some exercise, which is one of the selling points for the bike. And I think it was John Foley in his year-end speech last year who was highlighting the extraordinary convenience of the bike for folks who are stuck at home with young children, babies, etc. The ability to pause a ride doesn't hurt anyone. The arguments you hear in opposition to it go to the integrity of the leaderboard. So let's talk about that. First, uh, the leaderboard is used by many, not me. I wipe it off for health reasons. I don't use any metrics, no leaderboard, because I don't need to be chasing anybody. But the leaderboard is used by people to chase people and to stay ahead of people. It's an incentive, and that's fantastic, and I take nothing away from that. It will continue to be just that, even if the person in front of you paused for four hours. You're still chasing an unknown person because you think that gives you a better workout or trying to stay in front of someone who's coming up from behind you, even if that person paused for three weeks, it's giving you a better workout. Uh, and that's the choice that you make. In, in terms of the, the, the leaderboard itself, at least to my knowledge, in my two plus years having the bike, no one has ever won a cash prize for <laughs> the trophy or been accepted to the U.S. Olympic spinning team based on their placement on the leaderboard. Now, I get it. I get the pride factor. I get the need to win the day. And that's all well and good. And it's a compromise between some person's ego, not used in a pejorative sense, because there's nothing wrong with ego, but some person's ego versus a stay-at-home mom who finally was able to get on the bike and then their child awoke from a nap, her ability to pause the ride. And given that tension, I err on the side of the mom who also paid $2,000 for the bike, who also pays $39 a month, and whose ability to pause won't impact 
any other writer in the least. So that's my view of it. I've waxed poetic about it. I've waxed not so poetic about it. <laughs> Oftentimes I stay out of the mix. I know it's an old, tired argument on the OPP. The company has stayed relatively silent about it. It is what it is. I don't need it. I'm not looking to pause. I don't even ride with the leaderboard. I don't ride with the clock. I don't ride with the metrics. It ain't for me. I just think it's the right thing to do for all those other people who would benefit from it, who are paying the same amount of money as the guy or gal who's adamantly opposed to it. You know, it's funny because it's like, as someone who doesn't ride the bike, I always feel like, I don't really know that I'm entitled to have much of an opinion. But I I did, I mean, Chris will vouch for me, I, I instantly landed in the exact same spot. That yep. I'm, I'm just like, well, but that, that person has a greater need and it has no material impact on anybody else. Like, it's, who cares? Like, why it's zero do you, impact. It's yeah. zero impact. You know, and the other the other argument you sometimes hear is that the classes were designed to be taken without a break. Maybe they were. Maybe they weren't. Yeah. You know what? Blazing Saddles was intended to be watched from start to finish without a break. But yeah. sometimes I have to pee and my DVR <laughs> allows me to pause that. Yeah. That's a good point. And you know what? If you really want to get if you really want to get technical, spin classes were Designed I'm making air quotes You can't tell Because it's a podcast But uh, we're designed To be taken In a studio Not in your house Using internet Streaming technology So I mean mm. You know I mean, That's Interesting no, If you really If you really Want to drill down on it Yeah so look I'm not going to lose Any sleep over it I would always <laughs> support Anyone who Is advocating for it Every now and then Because I'm bored shitless I will wax poetic about it. Um, sometimes I'll get a little bit adamant and arrogant about it, but it ain't for me. I just think it's the right thing to do when one of the things that you're selling is the extraordinary convenience of being able to ride in your own home on your schedule. Right. On your schedule. Yeah, no, I, I, I concur. I, uh, I also think it was interesting, like, how quickly you went into lawyer mode. Yeah, that was hilarious. You, like, had it all broke down. Like, you were... <laughs> Let's walk through that. Yeah. It's no, I didn't mean it, it was an insult. It wasn't. It really wasn't an insult. I was just thinking that, like, like if you like, if I'm, you know Tom, it's so funny because he can be so freaking sick. I've seen this happen, and then like there have been times I've been like, oh man, maybe you shouldn't be on the radio today, and he'll be like, uh, I'll be fine, and like he'll walk in coughing, sneezing, like his head's hung down. He'll just be sitting there playing his game, and then like the the guy who hosts the radio show will be like, and let's take it over to Tom O'Keefe and he's instantly like a different person like I mean just complete he sounds different he's just on and then he'll do his 10 minutes and then he's like okay I need to go home and take some yeah. Advil and cold cider as soon as they kill the mic I'm like and I'm shutting down and he just hey, like listen, you having, could... having come of age in the 60s 70s and 80s it's all a function of timing your drugs correctly yeah. <laughs> that is true but it's also because I do this I do the same stuff though like I'm I can be very analytical and like I get yeah. Yes. Very like I'm, I'm I'm a big fan of linear logic. Yes. If then if we know this, then we know this, and like that's just I it, have had to learn to argue completely differently. Yeah, <laughs> no, you, what you need to learn to do is just accept that I'm right. There you go. <laughs> hey now, right, swipe right, swipe right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we should probably wrap it up. We've yeah. been going for a while here. I know. We got a little overboard. Yeah. Again. Well, you can cut out all the stuff where I prattled on about Saturday Night Live. <laughs> it's my weak spot. I, like, I'm a I'm an SNL his, amateur historian. Well, hey, it's, 
it's a great show, and I love the institution of SNL, and I'm proud to have played my little tiny role. Actually, if you go to the, um, if you go to a show now, at least last time I went as just a, a audience member. Right. On, when you wait online, they let you, the studio's on the eighth floor, but the balcony's on the ninth floor. And so yeah. if you're waiting online on the ninth floor, they have lots of pictures from old sketches. There I was in one of the Weiner sketches, and I was proud oh. to see myself on the wall. It's not a picture of me, but I'm in the in the restaurant scene. So wow. I'm proud to be part, my little part of that institution. That's awesome. That's so cool. It diverticulitis. Diverticulitis. Doug yeah. and Wendy. Before we go, we what, should, we, oh. have, we have to ask what his leaderboard That's name what is. That's what I was okay. going to ask. Oh, well, then finish uh, your question. <laughs> if you'll let me. <laughs> so before we go, why don't you tell everyone your leaderboard name in case they would like to follow your non-metrics using self. <laughs> All right. Um, I had to pick a name that no one else had taken yet, and I knew how to spell. So my leaderboard name is Godnik. <laughs> nice. Nicely done. So Easy. now there's there's probably like Godnik 319. There's probably... There's, not, there's, a, there's a Godnik 2, T-O-O, and that's my younger son when I took him to the studio on Father's Day. <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that's great. Is, is there anywhere else that anybody can find you online? Do you want them to find you? Well, I, I, I um, speaking of poetry, um, I write a lot of political poetry that I would never reference or mention on the OPP because it's political. Right. Um, right. But there's a Facebook page called Godnik's Musings that anyone can come visit and join the 2,000 or so people who subscribe. Um, I don't care one way or another, but if you want to read more of my viewpoints in lyrical fashion, uh, they can find it there. I have two videos that are posted. One is of my TED Talk, which I gave in March of this past year, and the other is my Award of Courage speech, which I gave in May of 2012. I guess you just search me on Google or on YouTube, and those will come up, and all my porn stuff has since been purged, so <laughs> is it okay if we put the the videos and your link on our clip out page? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Awesome. So we will post all that at facebook.com slash clip out. Fantastic. Thank you, guys. This has been fun. It has been so it much has. fun. Thank you for, for joining us and being on the show. It was a really good time. Yeah, thank you very much. You guys are great. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Well, he will definitely be missed. Yep. He was one of the good ones. A um, couple of really nice things that people have said to me was that we were very lucky and blessed to have known him. And uh, that is true. And um, that we should all strive to be a little more like Howie. And uh, I intend to try to remember that every day um, because I would love to have made an impact on the world the way Howie did to so freaking many people. Absolutely. Um, what a wonderful guy. So I uh, I guess that's it for this one. Uh, until next week, where can people find you? People can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Crystal D. O'Keefe. They can find me on Instagram, Twitter, the bike and the tread at Clip Out Crystal. And you can find me on Twitter at Roger Kubert or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. Find the show online at facebook.com slash the clip out. And of course, don't forget to join the mailing list at the clip So that's it for this one. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, keep pedaling. I'm running. Mm-hmm. <laughs>